0: So I think you will slowly see the world change, but it won't be in the way where every company suddenly says, oh, now we have to do this. You know, Some companies will disappear and others will win, and suddenly, looking back, suddenly, you know, the world will have changed, but it will go gradually and take a few decades, probably.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Work Life Hub podcast. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest to help you discover the new world of work and learn how your organization can reach its full potential. Thank you for tuning in and spending some time with us today. To find out more about the Work Life Hub, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to the listeners of the Work Life Podcast. This is your host, Agnes Uherecki. And today I have the great pleasure to be joined by Ruben Timmerman from the Netherlands. Hi, Ruben.
0: Hi, Agnes. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, thank you very much for being with us here. Just as a way of introduction, um, the way I got to know Ruben and his company Springest was through a a webinar that you did, Ruben, some time ago, where you were explaining the concepts and, and management styles and collaboration that you use in your company, which is around holacracy, but also using GDT, getting things done. And I thought that was a great um, combination and also a great example for a European company to be to be working in these ways. So I reached out to you and I'm very happy that you accepted to be on the podcast. So before we delve more into these details, may I ask what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What drives you? And then we'll go more deeply into uh, Springest and your work there with your colleagues.
0: Yeah, of course. I've known for a while that what really drives me and what also is my purpose, as I've written it down for myself, is to put my full potential out there. So I want to use my full potential and put it out there as something positive. It's something my dad once told me and I open many of my presentations with. Um, So what gets me out of bed is the knowledge that I will today do something that will help others uh, and from that I derive my energy Uh, So small example this morning at 9 I did a small talk at a company that I uh, that I happen to know about also the way we work And that's a great start of the day for me. So um, that's what gets me out of bed in general and uh, something that motivates me highly is my uh, eight almost nine-year-old daughter I care for and um, of course this other uh, child that I have which is my my company and I pour my heart into uh, into both of them uh, to fulfill my life's purpose basically so that's what get me gets me out of bed actually
1: well that's great that and that's of course totally in line with our values and what we stand for here at the work-life hub which is about work-life integration allowing people to have a a successful and fulfilling career but at the same time a a fulfilling uh, um, family life so that's great to hear now um maybe so let's let's get into you a little bit would you mind telling listeners about Springest? what is this company what does it do and how did you get to creating it back in 2008
0: yeah sure um, so to start with, what um, what is our purpose? Our purpose is to help people reach their full potential through learning and vitality. Um, and how we put this into practice is that we offer a learning platform where you can find anything you can learn from. So this, of course, starts with um, classical courses, um, e-learning, trainers, coaches, full educations like MBAs and, and part-time masters, stuff like that, even e-books, normal books, etc. So anything you can learn from, you can find on NL or .de, etc. And we offer this service as well to companies, um, mostly larger corporates like, um, like ING and Siemens and Vattenfall, the energy company. They use our platform internally to organize learning, so to offer learning internally through trainers or people teaching each other stuff, and uh, at the same time to organize the procurement of learning services like you know, training and education, um, organize that, procure them, uh, and we even do the entire financial processing of that as well. And so we do anything to take away uh, things that are in the way uh, of people learning. Um, Many annoying things like administration, but also tough things like, you know, what is the right training for me? What is the right direction for my my learning in my professional life? Um, So we do everything around that with about 55 people now, 46, 47 are in Amsterdam, which, which is our hometown and our, uh, also my origin, uh, and the others are all in Berlin in our German office. And I started that because um, I ran uh, an online marketing company, um, mostly specializing in, in search marketing and usability research. And I just saw there was a gap in the market for, um, for education, for learning, uh, for professional learning. So I saw that there was this gap, and it matched perfectly with my purpose that I felt back then. I hadn't really written it down yet, but I knew that I was passionate about learning, about always optimizing, always improving. Uh, and, you know, it, it was really one and one together, so I quit the company. Um, I started blogging more about my passion for online marketing, and then from there on, and also with the money that my blogging and speaking generated i started uh, started springest and that you know in the beginning i thought this is a nice extra uh, income stream but after a few months already it was it was a full company and it took off and uh, yeah that's what i've been doing ever since basically with a lot of passion
1: well congratulations firstly because you know for any uh, startup entrepreneurs listening and and as we are also uh, entrepreneurs here at the Work Life Hub. I think everybody can probably also, you know, imagine all the hard work and the pain and the and the challenges that went in, especially in the beginning. And of course, that's that's also a market where you have other big, big players. So, really, kudos to you for for managing to to grow something that uh, that uh, that is not not a very easy market, and also because. I don't know what you think about this, but we are also, of course, passionate about discovering new learning, extending our knowledge, extending our horizons. But not everybody is, right?
0: Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody is intrinsically. People are intrinsically motivated to progress, to uh, be of value. You know, if you look at Maslow's Pyramid, uh, self-actualization, I think there is some... I mean, it might not be the most scientific thing, but actually, if you dig deep enough or give people enough space, they all tend to want to do something useful with their lives. Um, if they are healthy, let's say that. I think in many companies or in many structures that we now have in our society, the ambition and the freedom to express and to do the thing that is, you know, that that you're passionate about, that's just being ignored or even um, discouraged or you know, beaten out.
1: Suppressed. So, yeah. yeah,
0: I think everybody actually is. And this is something we all also sometimes see with our corporate customers where they say, well, you know, it's awesome. We'll have this learning platform. We're super happy. But, yeah, you know, not everybody will use it because not everybody will learn. Let's see. Let's, let's give them the space and let's not assume they don't want to learn, but let's make sure they get the opportunity. And also to tell you and us as Springest, you know, helping you or your company to learn, Tell let them tell us what's wrong with your offering, with what you're offering in learning. And uh, very often the problem is that uh, companies want to predict what people want to learn, and then it doesn't work. You know, if you give them very limited options, then they, they just burn out. But if you give them a bit more freedom while keeping some control and insight, then, you know, then basically everybody does want to learn because they want to progress.
1: Well, I think that there's so much to discuss there. And, and of course, we're I'm also very passionate about learning and development, and but I would like to nevertheless maybe bring back this conversation uh, to to the the principles and the methods that you applied, I guess already from the get go. So so who inspired you in terms of holocracy? Who inspired you for GDT? How how did this happen that you 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 decided or you 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 launched your company with these I would say, even back then, probably quite unusual ways of working.
0: Yeah, in a way. Um, I had a company before, and I was uh, um, always very much about optimizing my time, optimizing my happiness. This was something that was conscious in me since I was studying. And um, I did uh, GTD, I used GTD already since 2002 or something. It was a bit of a hype then in, in sort of the life hacking movement that I was also very interested in. And uh, so GTD was something we applied from the beginning in my company. And I tried to make everybody do GTD because I felt that it um, made me a calmer person, uh, also a happier person, because I was more relaxed about the things I did, even though there was a lot of pressure. Um, Springest actually is almost uh, a bit older, actually, than my daughter. Um, so sometimes people would tell me, oh, and, you know, it's great that you can do this company being, you know, so free without any burden like mortgages and kids, and then I tell them, well, I actually have a daughter that's just as old as spring is, including a mortgage and all kinds of trouble that that brings. And GTD really helped me nav- navigate that, both personally and professionally. So GTD was something I more or less forced upon the people working with me uh, to say, like, hey, this is really good. Let's, you know, let's try to do this and be conscious um, and also be conscious together. But then after a few years when we were with about 12, 13 people, I felt um, and saw that, you know, managing my company at the lunch table, as I call it, was not enough anymore. Um, uh, I couldn't talk to everybody regularly enough uh, that they would be pointed in the right direction uh, uh, all the time. Uh, so I thought there must be something and then people told me, um, so this is like anti-inspiration, people told me, you, have, you, have to, you know, you have to hire managers now, Ruben, it's, uh, it's time. <laughs> there has to be a middle layer between you and the people. And it felt wrong. You know, you can be lucky with your manager, and if you're not, you're screwed. Um, and then things fall apart, or you just, you know, you suck it up. And that's what most people did, and I chose not to go down that route. So I asked, actually, a GTD trainer, um, Marco Bogers is his name. Thanks, Marco. Uh, I asked him, you know, I want GTD, but I want it for my company. I want a structure. That uh, allows us or maybe even forces or pushes us to be more conscious of the choices we make and that makes it easier for us to align with each other like GTD aligns myself, you know, GTD aligns you with your purpose by um, helping you structure all the way from purpose down to your mundane day to day tasks and everything in between, so the things you choose to focus on, the things that are important to you, and I asked him, you know, I want to do this in my company, and make sure that it's embedded in our structure, and then he said, I heard of Holacracy, that's by now five years ago, it's a bit weird, it's very nerdy, it's very new, nobody in the Netherlands is really doing it yet, so you might want to look at that, knowing that I was a a not very risk-averse entrepreneur. (laughs) So I said, okay, let's dive in. And then we just started to figure it out and, um, you know, try to implement it ourselves together with a coach. That's that's basically how it took off.
1: That's great. And um, did you visit some companies in the U.S.? Did you, or was it really almost an organic kind of custom built up that you implemented for Springest with your own, I don't know, do you have rules? Do you have policies? Do you have something that explains how it works?
0: Well, um, holocracy back then was still pretty new and in a way it still is. Um, uh, there were not many examples in Europe. Uh, there were some in the US, but for instance, Zeppos is now the biggest example. They haven't started yet, so we were a bit earlier than them. So there were no easy cases accessible to us, especially as a startup. You know, We don't have the money to fly to the US to visit some company and see, You know, to get inspired. We are more Um, you know at the point or then we were at the point where we say let's just try something out we did have a coach who who had been to the U.S. who had um, pretty good contact with Brian Robertson um, the guy who let's say wrote the first versions of uh, the Holacracy rule book so to say Um, the book that then also didn't exist by the way so there was not much in, in way of example and preparation so we just started uh, figuring it out together with uh, with this coach, Diederik Jansen is his name from uh, Energized.org. They are still a, a very good coaching company for Holacracy, and both GTD and Holacracy are extensively documented and very very rigid in uh, in rules. And how I always explain it to keep it short, or, or at least in this part, is it's a very strict set of rules, a very clear box of boundaries um, that serves, you know, the purpose to align everyone. And within that very, very strict and clear box, you have absolute uh, or, let's say, near absolute freedom. Uh, and um, the Holacracy uh, Constitution is this rule book and you can find that online. It's open source, and you can see all the rules, basically. And on top of those rules, you build your, let's say, organizational um, applications of those rules, which, which are called uh, your governance records, so the, the way your company is organized. Um so yeah there are many rules it's all written down and everybody can in- influence or change those rules or the way you work or the way you are structured.
1: Would you mind telling giving listeners um, a little insight via concrete example what would be some process of way of working that would be very characteristic for holacracy but also very different from a, a standard company with hierarchy?
0: Yeah Yeah, of course. Um, I am talking to you not because I am Ruben. Uh, I mean, from your perspective, I am. But um, in in Springist, and in any holacracy, actually, uh, everything you do, um, you do it because you're accountable for it from a role. So you don't have job descriptions. You have several, usually, roles. And roles have accountabilities. And accountabilities are very explicit. So I am talking to you because I happen to have a role uh, which is called um, external speaker in a circle, which is called evangelism, and this circle serves the purpose to inform the world of the way Springist works to make us um, known as the learnest company. So this is a bit bit of a mouthful, but uh, I just want to um, express that everything is written down. Uh, in very clear terms it's also visible online uh, for everybody to see so every role that I have everything that I do at Springist is is written down in these accountabilities and roles and you can find that on roles.springist.com so you can type in Ruben there and literally see the I don't know 35 or 40 roles that I fulfill at Springist and this is um, one of the big differences w- between Springest or any hol- Holacracy running company uh, and a non, non-self-organizing Holacracy company is that it's all written down in great detail and evolving constantly in very small steps. So literally every week there might be a small change in some role or some circle and that enables us to adapt uh, to the outside world, adapt to change. Um, and so that's you know one of the examples is I am here in a role in a specific circle and it's not just because I am Ruben. It's all explicit and, and visible for everybody.
1: That's great. And um, so when you because, of course, it's you're not isolated from the rest of the world and and your customers and your partners that (laughs) that operate in still very 20th century, top down, fear based. uh, Of course, now I'm a bit caricaturing, but but these are all old ways of, of organization, not that agile, not that open, not that free. Um, uh, how, how is that then for you to, because you mentioned a little bit when you work with corporates and then you come across their um, old beliefs or, or outdated beliefs. But but how is it? Would you say that people are more curious and then inspired? Do you also have people who, who are doubting or criticizing? What, what's what's it when you come come in contact with with others?
0: Mostly curious because we uh, sell our software to uh, people that are in HR or in learning um, or also sometimes in procurement or even finance. Um, but mostly they're curious about it because they because it's different. So they're curious, like, how does it work? And they generally see us as a successful company. We've, um, we've won the award for the best employer of the Netherlands three times in a row. Um, and they know this, of course, because we tell them we are, we are proud of it. So they're curious because of that. Uh, but then the next step is in general, they don't care. They care about the results that we deliver. So, is our platform working? You know, uh, are we, is the responsiveness great? How, what's our customer service like? And it's the same with, for instance, investors or business partners or clients or whatever, even employees. In the end, people care about the result. And if, if we are delivering our results, then everybody's happy. Um, and then, of course, for employees, it's a bit different because they work in it. So they have an extra benefit <laughs> Benefit there. But in general, they're curious about how it works. We also invite them to work with us in these kind of ways, you know, making things very explicit, being very transparent. And they really value that because they see it helps, you know, it helps us deliver projects in time, you know, solve problems quicker, uh, be more vulnerable and open in finding solutions for stuff and they appreciate that because they see results and that's in the end in business the only thing that actually matters so and then in that sense they don't care that much about all the interesting exciting holacracy stuff
1: Mm, i understand and and what is it um how does this manifest for um employees in terms of You know work-life balance or their employee experience or their employee because I I understand I think more or less the processes and the and the structure but in terms of kind of the personal experience for working there how does that um, manifest itself can you say a couple of words about that
0: yeah the first thing I would say is don't ask me (laughs) ask my uh, my colleagues uh, the other Springeteers, as we call them, and uh, you can see some reviews on um, Glassdoor. So, if you search on Glassdoor for springer, you can see about 15, I think, uh, um, reviews from from ex-colleagues. We recently started encouraging ex-employees and also some employees to um, to fill that in um, because they verify the validity of the review, and people are anonymous, so they can really um, um, give it their uh, their best shot. Uh, and also on join.springus.com, which is our um, recruitment site or career site, so you can see what they say. But in general, the story is something like they really enjoy the freedom of being able to uh, choose what they want to impact. Uh, they enjoy the energy that that gives. They love the transparency. Yet at the same time, they also notice that it's um, um, you know that it's hard in terms of learning. Uh, especially if you have a longer career uh, before uh, joining Springist, you have to unlearn some behavior, things like uh, politics and, um, you know, keeping information to yourself, et uh, Transparency is, is default here, so you, you might have to get used to that. Uh, but if you read the reviews and talk to people here, you'll learn that they appreciate that and appreciate the, um, yeah, the freedom that that is then possible within this transparency that also creates pressure. For instance, people can see what you do and if it's working or not. And there are metrics for that and everybody can see them. Um, but once you get sort of the hang of that and used to it, there there is this huge benefit of extreme clarity in work and freedom in how you do your work, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, That's cetera. Um, that's the short version, I guess.
1: I, I think that, you know, particularly what I'm quite, picking up here, of course, there's so much of real value and insight of what you're explaining. But one thing that, that I find quite interesting is, is um, you know, we speak a lot on the podcast about um, job polarization, about the fact that people used to have job descriptions that are totally outdated, that people still are recruited on the basis of these job descriptions or diplomas. And, and what I yeah. find what i would find probably quite appealing is is seems like there is some fluidity there that that you can move towards roles or discover new roles in in saying okay maybe i'm let's say somebody working with the accountancy but i could maybe take up a role in terms of public speaking if that's my passion and, and represent Springest or or i'm somebody in marketing but i could and i think that must be so incredibly enriching for the your colleagues that you know you can have a look you're not in silos you can have a look into other types of roles of jobs and 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 which is a really great insurance a personal insurance for the future and what it resonates also with me is that you know, more and more in these times, people have to take responsibility for their careers. They have to become the real owners of their own careers, their own learning. And in a way, that's great that that's what you're offering as a business, this, this type of responsibility saying people. But also that's what you have internally of you, you can, you know, maybe then steer your ship and, and change careers midway. And I find that very, very interesting and inspiring.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just to be sure, uh, because I totally agree with you, so it's a good reflection of what happens here. Fluidity is a very uh, logical word to describe what happens with the roles. Um, but I don't do this because of that. I do this because I want my business to succeed. I want to, you know, achieve this purpose. Um, make sure that Springers does help everybody in the world to learn, and that is a very competitive thing, as you also said in the beginning. And I think this is the way to extract most. Um, performance out of people to put it very bluntly Uh, and the fluidity helps keeping them happy helps putting people in the exact right place for them in you know that moment of their lives where they can uh, put in the most energy and make the uh, make the best results because they're happy you know happy people make less mistakes uh, are more engaged are more uh, willing to fix uh, things that are broken etc and that's why i do these do these things i uh, genuinely think that this is the way to win business-wise and then all these um, let's say so-called nice things come with that apparently Uh, and that's uh, yeah that makes me proud
1: (laughs) well i would be so happy ruben if more business owners would think that way you know that they would match up the business case with how people tick and what makes people happy because it's exactly as you say, the more people have autonomy, the more they're accountable, the more they have responsibility, the mm. more they're willing to give their all and invest themselves and, and be uh, supportive to their colleagues and, you know, really keep the interest of the company at heart. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really, I, I mean, I, it's a cliche, but it's a kind of a win-win-win situation. Mm. It's good for your company. It's good for your people, but it's also really good for society at large.
0: Well, let's see. You know, we have to win first, and I don't know if we've won yet. We're doing we're doing quite well. Um, the question, of course, is: Will companies change, or will companies just disappear that don't do these kind of things? And I think that's what's going to happen. And in 20 or 30 years, most companies will run on a system comparable to what we do. You know, if if I'm right about what people actually need and want to perform, and slowly companies will uh, either adapt, uh, adopt working. Methods like this or slowly start to disappear which which happens every uh, every couple uh, Decades companies disappear um, And you see big companies like like ing for instance making big steps towards self-management because they know they have to because they see It's working because they you know have to um, play catch-up to smaller competitors or new incumbents so I think you will slowly see the world change but it won't be in the way where every company suddenly says, "Oh, now we have to do this." You know, some companies will disappear and others will win. And suddenly, looking back, suddenly, you know, the world will have changed. But it will go gradually and take a few decades, probably. Mm.
1: Let me ask you a bit of a devil's advocate question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How much discipline does it take?
0: I would say what we do uh, is closer to human nature, and therefore it's easier if you have a career. Behind you already you learned many let's say if I can put it bluntly toxic behaviors. you have to unlearn them because you know what what worked before uh, simple things like asking a favor or even giving a favor to a colleague is something that uh, that um, is frowned upon at, at you know at lightest here. It's really not allowed to display heroic behavior you know filling in for a colleague, jumping in you know fixing or, or what do you call it extinguishing a fire, um, of course, that has to happen every now and then, but it's more important that you, you know, report it, make changes to the, to the governance structure of the company so that it doesn't happen again. So if you heroically fill in for your colleague every now and then, um, uh, you are actually hiding a, an improvement opportunity from the company and thereby harming the long-term perspective of the company. So things like that, that seem positive um, in an environment where things are stuck. And there they are positive, of course, otherwise they would just, you know, collapse. But at Spring that is uh, not a good idea because you want to improve the company. So there are specific rules about, you know, if you put out a fire, you fix some some issue. Of course, you put out the fire, but then you have to also process that tension, as it's called, in governance and address it so that it doesn't happen again. Um, and that's a very important principle of, of many principles.
1: That's so fantastic that you just explained and, and so clear. And it just made me really think a couple of weeks ago, some companies were really celebrated across LinkedIn because um, employees were chipping in to give maternity leave or, or, or their holidays to colleagues mm-hmm. who had to be on maternity leave for longer in the US, of course. Um, and and you know, LinkedIn celebrated the solidarity among colleagues, you know, how great this company is. But you know, it's exactly that. It's you know, if you don't value an employee enough to allow them the time off they need to be able to come back and be on great form and contribute further mm. to your company, how unfair is that? And and it's really what you say it's a systemic flaw, it's it's a problem to the system. And that's just the plaster that you put on and can be a PR stunt. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: as you say, it's not in the, in the interest of neither the company overall nor in the employees themselves.
0: Yeah, it, it might be in the interest, though, uh, short term or even mid and even long term. Because in the end, let's you know go to the full other end of the spectrum. Let's go to slavery. <laughs> uh, slavery is a very solid business model. And if it's allowed, then of course you cannot beat it because it's it's hyper efficient. Uh, but of course, it's inhumane. And you know, if you go to the under uh, to to a lesser extreme part of this spectrum, you know, uh, to um, wrench the last drop of sweat from your employees it is legal in most countries still. And uh, that might be a very solid business model. And we might actually lose to a company that that does that. Um, And as long as uh, our legal structure and society allows for those things, um, you know, uh, you might still win with those kind of things, the same way that you can win in politics with lying uh, and and other, let's say, criminal or immoral activities. So I'm not a hippie who who is not aware of the world, but I choose differently and then um, I think and hope that I can still win. But of course, as long as uh, other methods are allowed, yeah, then that's reality as well. I'm not closing my eyes for that.
1: Now, um, before we go to the last question, um, may I ask you, Ruben, to tell listeners where they can find out more about Springest, about your work, about Holocracy, your experience?
0: Yeah, of course. So a good place to start is join.springest.com, our career site, because we, uh, we explain a lot about how we work there. And, of course, also about.springest.com, or uh, on the Dutch or German sites, we have sections like that as well. So springers.panel and springers.de. And uh, about me, it's easy to just go to ruben.org, R-U-B-E-N.org, and there's lots of links to profiles of me, uh, videos, interviews, stuff like that. So uh, a lot of a lot of things can be found there.
1: Yes, lots of, lots of videos. So I really encourage listeners to go there if they would like to learn more. And then also just inserting here that we have... Uh, another podcast episode with David Allen, the founder of Getting Things Done, the GDT method. So that's also a good resource to find out more about that. So now coming to the last question, Ruben, which is always the same here. If I could ask you to give one advice to CEOs or senior leaders to start thinking about um, changing the way their organizations are set up or run, or I mean, perhaps even lead them on the road to holocracy. what what would be your your advice?
0: Uh, it would be listen to the new people that are coming into your company, to the talent that you want to recruit, that maybe you're having trouble with recruiting, and ask them how they want to work. Uh, and then the next thing, you know, after actually listening, especially to the new young talent coming in that we all need so much, uh, is to act and really act upon it and not say, you know, let's do a test here or let's see what happens. You really have to act strongly and, and make strict rules and not just say, let's experiment a bit with self-management. That will just fail and then everybody will feel like it's too hard and let's not do it until someone else has figured that out. Because then, of course, you'll be overrun by your, your competition. So, you know, do your homework, figure it out, invest some real money into it. Otherwise, invest nothing. You know, it will just fail. And this is what's happening with many self-management practices, especially at corporates, uh, where they say, you know, these people here in this department can experiment, you know, good luck. Uh, And that's really not enough. You have to really invest in learning and really try to do it. Uh, And then, you know, then you might succeed and actually win. So that's my advice.
1: Great. So no half-baked solutions. Either go all in or just leave it.
0: Yep, I think so.
1: That's great. Well, Ruben, it has been such a pleasure listening to your experience, your insight. I learned a lot from this conversation and I'm sure our listeners also took away a lot from it. A lot of inspiration, a lot of, you know, boosting their courage and and, and boosting them to to go on and and fulfill their full potential as you say so thank you very much for your time and i really wish you the best of success in the future
0: thank you very much and thank you whoever is listening and feel free to provide me feedback or questions via my site so uh, I, i welcome each and every one of you